Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, we're we're taping right, literally just moments after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, uh, Joyce verdict, was announced by the jury in Kenosha, and it looks like here's some more good news. People on MSNBC, Chuck Todd's show, are actually crying. Oh my God! The really? verdict. No, seriously, are they seriously crying? No, I'm just seeing this right now. MSNBC no. is crying. That's what it says. Oh my Let's God! See who's actually crying. From your lips to God's ears. I mean, it could be Chuck I, Todd. Look, Chuck Todd looks absolutely distraught. Oh God, maybe I, he might be crying. Oh my God, Julie, this is so much good news for our show. It's so out of character. Happiest happy hour ever. Oh, we should drink the tears of Chuck Todd. <laughs> we are drinking them for happy hour, Chuck Todd. We are filling up my large Chardonnay goblet, and I will. A sip goblet. It. That's right. That is right. It's not a glass. A goblet. That is what. That is what is most appropriate for this <laughs> joyous moment. Well, I, I have to say, um, I should have known that this verdict would come right at the time when we were about to tape. <laughs> because <laughs> right, of with, course. With our luck, it had been four, three days, and I was not optimistic because I'm never optimistic. It took too long, I think. It was taking too long, and I was getting very nervous. Yeah. Um, what about you? What were your thoughts? Because it seemed like it took a long time. You know, it just seemed like a shit show to me. I mean, it it, it appeared to be sort of cut and dry last week, um, considering the abysmal, uh, egregious, hopefully, <laughs> will result in some kind of uh, punishment for those uh, government prosecutors. But then, you know, you just never know in this day and age. It seemed like the judge got rattled by media coverage. There's no doubt the jurors did. And so I, I don't know, but you have been covering it so closely. I have not because I'm covering other issues. So why don't you explain really whatever happened this week, uh, the guilty verdict for all of the charges and then not guilty, you know, not guilty verdict. <laughs> You're so used not to guilty, think guilty yeah, no, verdict. Yeah, no. <laughs> So it was three guilty verdicts, not guilty for the all of the um, charges. Homicide, okay, and that's the homicide, okay. Yes. So he was um, charged with murder, and then I know the gun charge was thrown out. They were trying to right. get him on a, a gun charge because he's 17 years old and he um, was in possession of an AR-15. Now, the district attorney and the prosecutors know that the law in Wisconsin states that you he is allowed, 16 and 17-year-olds are allowed to have an AR-15, which is a, a rifle, okay? They say it's an assault rifle. It's not an assault rifle. That's, that's a lie. It's okay. a regular rifle. You can have a rifle if it has a barrel longer than 17 inches, which an AR-15 does, and the law is there because it's not necessarily it's not the case in New York City or Los Angeles or San Francisco but in a lot of other places teenagers hunt they go hunting with their parents it's a family thing so a 16 and 17 year old is allowed to have a rifle so and that is the law but they tried to get him on a firearms charge anyway and the judge threw it out so that was over so the jury came out with one verdict for all the charges, which ranged from murder to the pedo, Rosenbaum, and Huber, <laughs> the, the skateboard fucker, right? I think it was the skateboard guy that kicked him in the head, hit, hit him in the head with the skateboard. And then the whatever the charge was, I can't remember, for um, uh, Gage Grosskreutz, ah. Grosskreutz, something like that. Gage, I'm just calling him Gage. I can't handle any more than that right now because I'm just, I'm drunk with happiness. Um, he got shot in the arm. <clears throat> so he got, and I think there was some reckless endangerment charges because he was shooting his weapon and it was endangering the people around in the, in the periphery. So, um, and it was one verdict and it was not guilty, which was really fantastic because there were so many 
problems with the prosecution. So many really questionable things that were done. And the defense was okay, but not great. And they didn't really call out on any of, uh, on a lot of the stuff. And they did file some motions, but the judge hadn't ruled on it. And so what we really wanted was for a jury to find him not guilty. We didn't want people to say, oh, well, you had a bad prosecutor. Oh, you had, um, you know, it was technicality. You wanted him to get free and clear, right? Free and clear, jury said not guilty. Okay, so, um, and that's what happened. It's really the best possible outcome. But usually this happens, the jury is back fat quicker. The longer the jury takes, the more concerning it is. And there were rumors that there was at least one Karen on the jury. I had heard that the Karen mm. was the jury for foreman, which is a nightmare. Oh, so, well, um, right. yeah, we don't, you don't, you don't want, you want no Karens, not alone, not, not even one. Right. But there, I heard there were maybe two, even two or more. So I was concerned and, um, but I guess I was wrong and I'll gladly own it. You know, I'll own that wrongness. And I hope, that right now Kyle Rittenhouse is calling up uh, lawyers to retain to sue the yes. slander and yes. the mistreatment that um, were were that he got he was victimized by the and we'll start with Joe Biden the president of the United States who was running for office and um, slandered him and didn't he call him a white supremacist There's no evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist There's none None How I how? Where does this even come from? He literally shot three white guys who are all low-life scumbags, like child molesters, and one hit, like, beat his grandma up. Like, these are low-life, these are the lowest of the low. And they're white, yeah. so I don't understand that, because he was there to protect property after Jacob Blake, another disgusting low-life, was shot by police. How does that make... He was he had like a first aid kit. He was wiping off graffiti. He was helping people. He wasn't engaging. I mean, the media has a narrative. It's like, you know, the statement, right? When you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, that's the media, right? They only had they're like a one hit wonder. They have one song and the song is racism. And so it it was hard, but they needed to come up with a way to make this a racial a racial issue and it wasn't a racial issue. And there's a lot of dummies in this country that get their news from tw Twitter headlines and CNN and MSNBC. And if you don't read or follow or watch the trial, then you are living in a very different world than a lot of the people who were paying attention to it. And right. we saw over the course of the trial and then during deliberations, these fucktards on CNN and MSNBC were just spouting out things that were lies and literally in court proved to be lies and they kept setting it out. You know, they kept, they kept pushing it out there. Um, like it was true because again, there are dummies that they get their news from CNN, MSNBC, and they don't look into it directly. They don't find out. So, you know, one of the big lies is that this was a racial issue. It wasn't a racial issue. It wasn't a racial issue. The only race element was, I believe Rosenbaum who's on video screaming the N word at people and telling them to shoot him mm -hmm. before this incident with Kyle Rittenhouse. So there's that aspect of it, but this wasn't the, the, the narrative that the me mainstream media was trying to put out there was that this vigilant, this hooligan vigilante child um, whose mommy drove him across state lines with an AR 15 um, to shoot up a, some sort of first amendment protected activity or protests that was going on in Kenosha about the Jacob Blake shooting. Okay. That's not true. There was no, this wasn't a first amendment protected activity. They were setting fires. They were attacking police officers. They were vandalizing and they were looting property. That's what was going on. But the media, you know, mm -hmm. they have to put it in the context of, well, you know, this is the first amendment and they were, he was shooting up a black lives matter rally. Give me a fucking break. That is not what's going on. And if you watch the, if you watch the trial, you saw the footage that was shown by the defense, which is a picture of these people put, pushing a dumpster on fire into a gas station. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, also one has to wonder 
what what kind of person chases someone with a with a with a firearm right like why would you chase somebody with that has right. a gun a gun is used to brand you brandish a gun as a preventative measure you walk around with a gun and it says don't fuck with me because a gun is a great equalizer so you have people chasing this guy with a gun i mean right out of the gate these people are not this is a crazy thing so well, and, you know, I think it's important to to put what happened in Kenosha in context. So this happened in August of 2020. This was three months after or two and a half, three months after the George Floyd riots, where people saw across the country their cities being destroyed, police standing down, FBI agents taking a knee outside FBI headquarters. And so this didn't happen in a vacuum. So it happened because what we saw, $2 billion in damages, dozens of people killed, um, hundreds of police officers assaulted, attacked, injured, et cetera. So this was on top of that, right? If this was just maybe a one-off, do you think a young man like Kyle Rittenhouse, enough people would say, enough is enough. We've already went through weeks of this. In the city of Chicago, we saw it happen twice. It happened during right the Memorial Day weekend, and then it happened again in July. And you have cops nowhere to be found as people's businesses are destroyed. And you have people marching through once peaceful neighborhoods, screaming and threatening them. So then that was just one more example. So, of course, you're going to have young men and women, whoever, stand up and say, "Okay, we have to take matters into our own hands. And that's what someone like Kyle Rittenhouse did. And that is what that's why we have guns, right? To your well, point. That's, that's why we have and that's, them. And that's why this verdict was so important. Because the left is very invested in making it legally impossible for people to defend themselves. And what this said what this verdict shows from the jury is that yes, you can defend yourself with a firearm. And that's really what it's it's really that simple. That's why the left was so invested in it. I mean, they want to say it's about race, but it's really not what they want are precedents that say, you know, sometimes you have to take a beating. Right. That's right out of the prosecutor's mouth. He said that in the trial. He said, look, you know, sometimes you have to take a beating. Right. Maybe you get hit on the head with a skateboard once and then you're about to get hit on the head with a skateboard twice. OK, well, that's too bad. You, you That person gets to do that to you and you have to take it. That's what the prosecutors were arguing. And that's what the left's attitude is too. They want to have put out their criminal ar- street street soldiers out there to burn down the cities and create, wreak havoc. And they want to make sure that the victims are not in no way empowered to defend themselves. No way empowered. And, you know, to be honest, the people that were victim shot, I'm not going to say victims, the, the aggressors that were either killed or shot, Rosenbaum, Huber, and Gage. These are all garbage scumbags. But you know what? There's no way that Kyle Rittenhouse knew that. And so it doesn't matter if they were like, you know, perfect angels. If they start, if someone attacks you, you know, and your life is in danger, and I believe his life was in danger, and I certainly think he thought his life was in danger. You have a crowd of people chasing you, screaming cranium, cranium that he can use force to defend his life. And that's a very, that is such a critical element of the foundation of of, America, the idea that you cannot defend yourself against a violent death. But you know, Kyle didn't know that these people were garbage. And the, but the reason it's relevant is to give you a sense of what kind of people were out on the street that night. Okay, these weren't like, these weren't civil rights activists. These were garbage scumbag criminals. And and so this was no this was no civil rights event. This was looting, hooliganism, and violence. So, you know, it, good riddance it is. to bad and rubbish. I think you and you said this to me before and I hadn't really thought about it, that you know, the right to for self defense, the right to defend yourself, your property, et cetera, that was on trial. And that was by design. And so this yep. wasn't really just about Kyle Rittenhouse as a 17-year-old nope. kid crossing state lines. Dear God, how dare you cross the, you a know, lie. 
the three-mile border between Antioch and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Well, you know, his father lived in Kenosha. His aunts and uncles and cousins lived in Kenosha. His grandmother lived in Kenosha. He worked in Kenosha. He did not like throw a dart at a at a map and go, where am I going to go tonight to shoot some people? He was tied to that community. So that's also a lie. But you know what? Even if he had no ties to that community, the, the fundamental question is, do you have a right to defend yourself against people who are attacking you? And this wasn't a good case for the left because it was so obvious. Right. There's this was no, in no way gray. You know, this was not gray. Right. Like, oh, I'm not sure. Was he really in danger? We don't know. Absolutely not. If you paid attention and you saw the evidence and you know the circumstances and you watch the testimony of people, even the prosecution's witnesses, when a prosecution witness says, Kyle didn't shoot me until I pointed a gun at his head, <laughs> which happened, that happened. OK, that's Gage who admitted that he approached Kyle with his hands up and Kyle didn't shoot him. And then Kyle did shoot him. When when Gage pointed a 40 caliber, which is a larger round than what Kyle was shooting in his AR-15, which is, a, I think, a 223. So a larger round, because the dumb liberal shits that are always talking about guns, they don't know anything about guns. A 40 caliber Glock, that round in a 40 caliber is a larger bullet than a 22 caliber, which is basically the size that was shot. That was that was um, what Kyle was was using. But. But but alas, you know, the dumb people go, well, a pistol is not as strong as a rifle. Well, if you're retarded, that's true. But if you know anything about guns, that's not true. Well, anyway, so, you know, and then you had another witness, um, Richie McGinnis, who was there and said, no, uh, Rosenbaum, Joseph Rosenbaum was reaching for Kyle's gun. He had his hand on the barrel and said, fuck you. So, you know, those are that is very clear cut. This is in no way sketchy it's not a gray area it's there's not a lot to deliberate you know uh, gee I don't know what do you think I don't know what do you think no this is like look someone's trying to take your gun is that what what do you think what do you think they're going to do with the gun they're chasing you they told you they're going to kill you earlier in the day he was told by Joseph Rosenbaum if I see you I'm going to kill you then he starts chasing him A, a, a gunshot was fired as well so so Kyle's running away. He doesn't know who shot him or where the, the shot's coming from. And someone tries to take your gun. What do you, what do you think? Um, so, you know, this, this wasn't a great case to hang your hat on, especially in a state like Wisconsin. You know, if you're trying this in LA, you know, they're going to have a different kind of, a uh, different kind of jury. Um, right. They probably yeah. think you should, should get kicked in the head or beaten or shot or whatever. And they're fine with it. As long as you don't hurt someone's feelings. So this is so, a very important that along with the McCluskeys, remember the McCluskeys came out and they defended themselves yeah. against, you know, these, these uh, malefactors who were saying they were going to going to rape the wife and break in the house. And they broke into property to get into private property. You know, at what point is the, why is the burden on a Kyle Rittenhouse or a McCluskey when somebody has already violated the social contract by entering their space? That's, you know, that's well, that's and look, we have to have we have to recognize and you and I've talked about this forever on this podcast. Neither one of us are lovers of police or the law cops. enforcement. We don't No. And we are really in many instances seeing law enforcement as an enforcement arm, not to protect the citizens and the people who pay them. We see on the federal, state, and even local level, police officers working as the enforcement arm of the state and political actors, not the law. We certainly saw it during the 2020 riots. We certainly saw it on January 6th, what the cops did there. We certainly see it with enforcing mask mandates and shutting down businesses on the whim of a Democratic lunatic governor. So we need a broader conversation, how people are going to need to arm themselves more and be legally protected to defend their family, themselves, their business, their private residences, because police simply are there. They've now been cowed by the Black Lives Matter movement, defund police. And you could see why, you know, in the cities, people are just they're just running rampant. 
the cops aren't doing anything. I mean, I can't really blame them in a way because they're afraid if they handcuff or, you know, try to subdue a black guy, it's going to be on his body cam or somebody's going to record it and the guy's life is going to be destroyed. I get that. But on the flip side, you have police who are acting as basically enforcers for mostly Democratic state. They're just based, they're apparatchiks. I mean, they are stormtroopers right. for the Democratic Party, especially in these Democratic states and certainly in Washington, D.C. So, you know, what does that leave us, the citizenry? This is the basis of the Second Amendment to protect ourselves, not just from, you know, who our neighbor or whatever, but also to protect ourselves from the state. Well, the reason. OK, so the reason that we, we have a social contract here, it's a impl- kind of an implicit social contract in the U.S., which is that we give up our right to vigilantism because we have a neutral third party, which is the police. Right. To mitigate. OK, that's why, you know, let's say you think your neighbor came over and they stole some Chardonnay out of your wine cellar and you don't go oh, over that, there. And, that, that right I know there. you don't go over there and like open fire on them. Right. You call the police and then the police come over and they're, you know, they're disinterested. So they're not angry and they're not, you know, doing something in rage. So when when that contract is broken, right, when the police are just two blocks away watching people set fires and getting hit with rocks and just taking it and watching, you know, people get beaten, shots fired, and they're not doing anything, what is a citizen supposed to do at that point when they are in danger and the cops are not doing their job? You know, every one of these governors who has called their for their police force to stand down when there is civil unrest in their streets, they need to be put in jail. They need to be put in jail because they are breaching the social contract with the people that live in these cities that live there under the belief that they are going to they have a police force that is going to protect them, you know, and that is what is the most disgusting thing is that the cops in Kenosha were just a couple blocks away, just like we see cops that were right around the 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 melees going on in Seattle and in Portland and in New York and in LA and in DC when they were burning down DC was fucking on fire. They burned down an old church here, you know, and what happened? And when the white house tried to expand the perimeter to protect the white house, all of these big lefties freaked out. You can't do that. You can't do that. When the, when the contract has been breached, when you cannot depend on the police to defend you know, to protect your community, then what are your options? And for the left, the options are sometimes you have to take a beating. Yeah. And everyone take a beating. I mean, they, yep. that's been, I think, one of the more illuminating aspects of the Trump era, now the post Trump era, is the left is on full display for what they, who they are, and the extremes to which they want to go. As our friend Lee Smith says, the good thing is they're too stupid. Yeah. <laughs> too. And let's face it, this is how weak people behave, right? This well, is this. Yeah. They're not strong, is, persuasive people. This is this is how weak people. They have to have people operating in fear. They have to stoke imaginary fear because they don't have the strength either emotionally, intellectually, etc., physically, to to make a strong argument or to be persuasive or to get people on their side. They can only do it by force because they are fundamentally weak. Well, I, I think, I think it's a couple things. I don't, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with Lee. I think that, well, as I say here quite frequently, the left always shits the bed, right? So that's a fact. We know that the left always shits the bed. They're always overreach. But the other thing is that they really think that they can get away with it because they've captured so many important uh, structural institutions. You know, look at what the things that CNN were saying. Look at what MSNBC was saying. Look at what the Washington Post and these other outlets were saying. If we didn't have the Internet, if we didn't have independent media, if we didn't have Richie McGinnis or Drew Hernandez or any of those other people that were on the ground there and a way for them to communicate what they saw, then people would not know any better, you know? And I think that in a way, that's why the left is always trying to censor and shut down alternative media sources, because it shows that they are losing, they are kind of losing control, but they still in a way have a mindset that no matter what they do, they think that their big bears, right, their big New York Times or CNN can spin it away. You like you see, they keep saying, oh, he killed these innocent people, you know, they're tweeting right now, the ACLU of Maryland has a tweet out saying how terrible it is that 
you know, this kid was attacked and he, he fought back against it. It's terrible. The other thing we should talk about, and I know you have experience with this, although not necessarily related to the Rittenhouse case, but we saw it on display in the Rittenhouse case, was the absolute insanity from the prosecution. All of the controversial, fast and loose, probably illegal things that that the That's prosecution right. was trying to get away with. One, the, the biggest, most obvious one was this video that mysteriously came into the hands of the prosecution. And then, um, as you know, the according to the rules of evidence, I'm not a lawyer. Look, I just watched L.A. Law, you know, in the 90s or whatever. I, I'm not a lawyer. Um, and so I, I, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> that, so you that counts. Kind of, or law and order, that also that. But like you, the, the, the prosecution has to turn over all of the evidence that they have to the defense. And so what happened is the prosecution got a, some drone footage and they gave a corrupted copy to the defense. And then when the defense saw the copy that the prosecution had when they were using it in court, they were like, whoa, 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 that's not what we have. We have like a blurry, grainy, much smaller file size. And then it turns out it certainly looks like the def the prosecution purposely sent a corrupt file, a degraded copy of this drone footage of the shooting to the defense. This is fucking outrageous. I mean, I, these people need to be sanctioned. This is absolutely, and, and we, yes, we all got the verdict we wanted, but the fact is, unless these prosecutors are punished for doing this, the next one's gonna do it again anyway. They're, you know, they're gonna keep doing it if there's no consequence. That's just one of several super shifty things that the prosecution did, which was outright out of, out of bounds. And this stuff happens all the time. It really needs to stop. <clears throat> um, it absolutely needs to stop. And I listened to our, I guess you'd call him one time friend, Annie McCarthy, who on Fox News after the verdict saying this is a great day for American justice. The justice system prevailed etc etc and the jury came back no it isn't this is another horrible day for american justice because what happened was you had government prosecutors motivated motivated by politics to bring charges that never should have been brought against a young man 17 now he's 18 years old they did it sheerly for political purposes they um obviously engaged in all sorts of misconduct throughout the trial, flagrantly so, that the judge probably wisely let them get away with, influenced the jury probably. Also, you know, he didn't declare a mistrial because then we'd just be right back to square one. This is a horrible day for American justice. Just because we had found, managed to find 12 smart Americans, or at least 12 not duped Americans, who stood up and said no, this is garbage from from the start. It still doesn't erase what has been done to Kyle Rittenhouse, his family, the media defamation, the despicable comments by a horrible human being, Joe Biden and every Democrat. And now you still see on Twitter today, Bill de Blasio saying horrible things and they just don't stop. So it's the same thing with the January Sixers. What they tell me is the criminal prosecution is one thing. The media smears how they are portrayed, how their names will be defamed forever. What is Wait, there's created? a name for that? There's a name. It's called ritual defamation. That's what they're doing. It's so that these, you know, aside from what happens with the law, that in the communities, right, and in the culture, these people are are just are destroyed. They're ruined. You know, where they are they going to get a job? And like right. the J6, a lot of these J6 people, like the J6 people, Kyle Rittenhouse is a poor family. The, 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 if they, this hadn't been a high profile situation because of the social unrest in the summer and a lot of money was raised, he would have be, he would be in, he would have taken a plea and been in jail. He's poor. This kid, this is a poor family. This isn't right. Richie Rich or something. Um, right. And, and. And it's it's similar, I guess, that the prosecution thought that they would be he was, you know, low hanging fruit, you know, some white trash from. Uh, that's Kenosha. exactly right. That's And that's what they're doing at January 6th. These are the deplorables. Right. And you're going to go up against the full force, not just of the state in this. 
in this case, the federal government, which obviously is even worse, at least the judge in, in Rittenhouse case tried to bring some fairness to the proceedings, which I think he did successfully. That's certainly not happening in Washington, D.C. to the J6ers. But it's the same premise is that these people are not wealthy. They're not powerful. They're canceled by everyone, their friends, family, their churches, they, their banks, you you know, down the line. So this is only part of what it, the punishment is. It's it's a whole process, as we've said before. Well, and also, you know, these are also the kind of people who are not familiar with the legal system. And so they think it's fair. A lot of these people think, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. What's going to happen to me? Right. Or they think, oh, no, you know, they are not familiar. Yeah, that's with why they how... go talk to the FBI for hours. And hand... yeah, that's they right. hand over their phones. They hand over their computer. They talk to them without an attorney. They actually go turn themselves in <laughs> like for nothing. And they think that the system is fair. And I think that hopefully a lot of Americans on our side are waking up to realizing the system is so it's not just rigged. It's wholly corrupt. It's sadistic. Like, you know, that there are. Obviously, he's not guilty now, but they the leftists and the media are going to continue twisting the knife into this kid. They are not going to say, oh, okay, well, this was a fair, you know, we had a full hearing. The prosecutors lied. The prosecutors fucked with evidence. You know, they they called him out on his Fifth Amendment right, et cetera, et cetera. So here we have a fear. Let's move on. They're not going to. They're going to continue to harass this kid for years. It's not going to end. Yeah. Yep. That's that it's it, it's true. I mean, the process is the punishment and it's especially punishing for somebody who doesn't have the means to to hire someone who knows the system well enough and isn't part of the system. Right. Um, your lawyer, you know, it's an adversarial process, the legal process. You're supposed to have a zealous advocate lawyer that is advocating for you. But when you have a defense, a, you know, public defender or something who's kind of like in the system, then right. you don't, you know, some of those people, you not all of them, obviously, but but many of them, they are part of a large machine that is well oiled. And it's important for people to realize the the left is going to say this is racial. And they're going to say, oh, Kyle only got off because he's white. No, if Kyle didn't have a GoFundMe with a lot of money in it and a lot of people were lost their jobs for donating money. Do you remember that? That's right. The, hackers hacked into one of the donation sites that was taking money and publicized the names. And then there were a couple people that lost their jobs because they had given like $25. Wasn't there like a cop or someone who, I think there was a military guy maybe, or maybe it was a cop um, who got uh, fired for for doing that. So again, they don't, they don't even want someone to have the means to defend themselves. But if Kyle hadn't had a GoFundMe, because there's no like Republican Benjamin Crump, right, who's out there like generating publicity and making it, you right. know, advocating on behalf of his clients. Um, if he didn't have a go, if he didn't have that money, Kyle would be in jail. He would have taken a plea. He would have had a horrible attorney. He had some issues with his attorneys to start. He had some bad attorneys. That's at right. The beginning. That's right. So. You know, he this is not because he's white. This is because he had the money to pay for actual attorneys, which, you know, are of different value. You know, hard to say, Um, Yes. you know, whether they were as good as they could be. I mean, a lot of people are just going to kind of move on because they got the the verdict that they wanted. But had the jury found in another way, I think people would be coming for pitchforks for these attorneys because there was a lot of shenanigans. So. Now that this is over, and it's sad because I, for the last three days, Julie, I've been watching all day long the Rakeda Law um, live feed with like 10, 15 different, no, not 10. Right now, I think there's 10 lawyers on. That's the max. But they have all these different lawyers on talking about this, talking about the case as it happen, happens. It's it's great. I mean, I've certainly got a more of a legal education than I wanted. But now that this is over... What is going to happen tonight yeah. in Kenosha? What are your predictions? What you're in? You're near Chicago. What What do you think is going to happen in the cities tonight? 
I don't know. I don't know that any. I, I don't know what will happen in Chicago. Luckily, it's pretty cold here, so oh, right. yeah. we have that going for us. Let's see. What is it? It's like in the mid 30s. So only um, Jesse Smollett will. <laughs> only someone like Jesse <laughs> Smollett who will go out in sub-zero temperatures to get a subway when he's on Lower Wacker Drive at 2 a.m. That's right. And we're confront all the only Trump are. supporters in the entire yeah. city of Chicago, all whatever, 2.7 million people. Um, yeah. So I don't know what will happen in Kenosha. I, I will see. I hope the police, I know that they've called up, the governor called up, I believe, 500 National Guard troops. Um so I I don't know, but let's hope if they start burning things down that they'll have more. <laughs> let's hope Kyle Rittenhouse shows up with some buddies and gets his, gets the gang back together, gets his gun out, and starts uh, defending these businesses because I guess that's their only hope. So I don't know. It's chilly here. Maybe that will be hopeful. What about in Kenosha? You know, Kenosha called the National Guard. And I'm thinking, well, if you would have called up the National Guard right after Jacob Blake, none of this would have happened. No, but that's what I'm saying. They, Governor Evers in Wisconsin, know? he he called up National Guard here. I don't see anything coming across my feet about what's going to happen in the city here. I don't know. Um, but, I, you know, I, anyway, I don't know. I guess we'll find yeah. out. Pray for snow. Play, play yeah, for it's, sleet. it's chilly here, too. So I don't know if anything will go on in D.C. or New York um, either because it's, you know, cold here, too. It's cold here well, like, as well. Black Lives Matter. Again, what what justification do you have for rioting? For what? I don't know. Like, the, look, if you listen to MSNBC and they've been telling their listeners small, um, yeah. you know, that's a small universe, Drinking but audience. nonetheless. Mm-hmm. If you are watching MSNBC, you think that you think that Colorado now shot black people. That's because that's what they were. Make, there was I think I mentioned this on the last show, last week's show. <clears throat> there was some blue check mark who's a lefty on Twitter who just said, like, after a year, I just learned I had always thought Colorado has shot black people. <laughs> it's like, OK, that there you are. That right. That's what it is. So there are people who are like that. And um, so. We'll take advantage. Now, Joe Biden's supposed to make a statement. I don't think he's made it yet. I cannot wait to hear what this is going to be. What do you, what kind of statement, what do you think Joe Biden's going to say? He just had a colonoscopy today. And we had I know. President, is he, we had President he, Kamala for like two or three hours. Like, is he or, out of, I mean, don't they like dope you up for that? You know, isn't that kind of the status quo already? You know, um, with Joe? Yeah, that's true. Uh, how would we even know? I, I think um, Jen Psaki said that he is going to make a um, that he's going to make a statement. I think I saw that. Or didn't you t- didn't you say that? That no, yes, because she was just starting her daily briefing when they announced the verdict was going to be released, and so she said that the president would have some kind of statement later, which. Let's see what he has to say now. What could he possibly say? Do you think he'll apologize? No. And say, I oh, shouldn't no, have no, called? no, no, no. Let no. him do it. It's going to, all it's going to do is unify people more against this administration, you know, against this in, the administration. The, the fact that an elected official would weigh in in the middle of a criminal justice proceeding is outrageous. The, the, all defendants are entitled to a fair hearing and it doesn't matter who they are. I'm not just saying that because one of mine is on trial. That, that's absolutely false. We have to have faith in the system before we use the particulars as political pawns. We have to have faith in the system so that we can live in a civil ordered, ordered country. And you cannot interfere with uh, with with a criminal trial like these elected officials who felt like they needed to come out. And 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 talk about how horrible Kyle was before he even got a got a trial, and smear him before he could get a fair trial, and it's unconscionable. And you know that that they would they would go ape shit if somebody did it on one of their you know on Jacob on a Jacob Blake, right? You weren't allowed to say, well, Jacob Blake's father is a Farrakhan acolyte, and Joe Biden met with met with Jacob Blake's father after the shooting and that was fine. No one cared. You're not supposed to say things like that because it's not fair, but you know, these people aren't, the left is not playing fair, 
right? This isn't about fair. It's not about rules. They don't care about the system. They only care about it to the extent that they can use it to further power. their political power. That's power. it. So, well, if we can pivot well, for a second, because I do yes. think this is along the same lines, is talk about what happened to Jacob Chansley, yeah. the QAnon organic shaman, um, and his sentencing this week, which is another disgraceful prosecution brought by the Justice Department. Jacob Chansley is a 34-year-old Navy veteran. He suffers from mental health issues that have been untreated. I guess he was an actor for a while. So everyone knows him. He had the face, like the chest pain on. He's got a bunch of tattoos. He had the horns on. He was really basically showboating on January 6th. He didn't even go watch President Trump's speech. He was outside the Capitol for hours mugging with like Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law and a bunch of other reporters. And... So he entered the building around 2.15 that day uh, through a door that had been breached, walked okay, in. Okay, so he, hadn't, he didn't break He didn't break into the building. No. Right? He didn't storm. So did, did as he came in, did he nope. hit any cops or anything? Did he beat anyone or anything? Any nope. violence on his part? Okay, go None. ahead. Just want to clear that All up. All the charges against him are nonviolent. There was no weapons charged, no assaulting police officer, no destruction of of government property, nothing. It was the same thing, civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, parading in the Capitol, disorderly conduct, et cetera. Now there's video of Jacob Chansley talking to Capitol police officers who instruct him, and we posted this on American Greatness over the summer, who tell him, we're not against you. Just no assaulting, you know, no attacking. You have to remain calm. And so that is when Jacob Chansley wandered through the building, ended up in the Senate chamber where he left a note to Mike Pence. Justice is coming. Um, he said a prayer. He took a bunch of pictures. You know, there's photographers, videographer in there. Oddly, I don't know how videographers got into the Senate chamber before he did, but let's not question that. And uh, then he exited for that. He turned himself into police uh, January 11th. He has been behind bars since that. His lawyer told the court this week he's basically been in solitary confinement for 317 days. Judge Royce Lamberth, a Reagan appointee who really needs to retire, he had one shining moment where he uh, told the U.S. Marshals to go look at the D.C. Gulag, and he let a cancer patient who he denied bail to two other times finally let him go because of how he was being mistreated. Also has denied bail to Jacob Chansley three times, um, and including after he pleaded guilty to obstruction of an official proceeding, a felony, nonviolent felony, has never been used before against political uh, protesters, never was intended to. It was post-Enron felony that was intended to criminalize people who were interfering with congressional criminal investigations, which we know happened with Enron, Arthur Anderson, et cetera. That was the point of the law was not to go after the Jacob Chansleys of the world who walked through an open door in a government building, was greeted by federal police officers, had his picture taken with federal police officers standing right there and left. But anyway, he has another horrible showboating lawyer who finally convinced him to plead guilty to obstruction of official proceeding. Um, Jacob Chansley gave a very heartfelt, emotional, um, very cogent, plea to the judge, you know, asking, you know, I've already served 10 months. I've learned so many lessons. I need mental health, health uh, assistance, et cetera, et cetera. Judge, no mercy, sentenced him to 41 months in prison. He's already been in there for 10 months, so we'll have time served. So he will be back. He will be in jail for another almost three years for a nonviolent felony count for being in the building for about 30 minutes on January 6th. And people now, were cheering this, including little weaselly losers like Dan McLaughlin at National Review, who hasn't followed any of this trial. I looked for anything that Dan McLaughlin has written about Jacob Chansley, no evidence that he covered the hearing. In fact, he had to link my tweets as I was live tweeting the hearing the other day. He had to link my tweets in his piece because he wasn't covering it. And actually suggested that Jacob Chansley should have gotten more time in jail. These are the losers. This is why the right has lost so many things over the past few decades, because you have a little punk like Dan McLaughlin, actually, who knows nothing about this case, has said nothing about this abusive investigation, and now thinks someone like Jacob Chansley should be in jail for longer 
than four years. Well, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is that the most important thing in this country is that we all have a belief in the system and we all have to be on the side that the system works as it's supposed to work. So when the system doesn't work as it's supposed to work and people are cheering it on, it's because they want to maintain their social status or to their their power, their place in the power structure. And that's kind of what you're seeing, I think, with some of these, not all the National Review people, because I'm I have friends at National Review and I, I don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk bad about them, but um, that's not Dan McLaughlin. <laughs> so, or Wait, Andy. you still have friends over there? Oh, I Lord. do. I'm friends with Jim Garrity. I love Jim Garrity. I'm not ever oh. going to say anything bad about Jim because oh. I love him. Um, but Dan McLaughlin and other people that aren't paying attention, <clears throat> anyone who wants, who, who understands how important it is that these structures that we have to maintain a, faith and and you know in the way that our system works or else it falls down if you're willing to let that be destroyed if you're allow if you if you're cheering on the corruption of the system then what how are people going to live together in a in a community if there's no system there's no institutions so the people doing that are they have a vested interest in taking down the system at in order to gain power. And so to, in my mind, that's very suspicious. I don't like that. So I don't know. This this is a good day for Kyle, um, a very unfortunate, you know, week for the QAnon guy. Now, does he, like, does he think that, like, what, 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 does, he, what does he think? Does he realize he's been mistreated? Is he, like, regret what he's, is, is he buying into, like, that narrative? Is he apologized and thought what he did was wrong because Trump brainwashed him? What's 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 his? No, he didn't. But his lawyer, Al Watkins, who also coincidentally was the McCloskey's first lawyer. Um, So he's just a degenerate. He's everything that's wrong that you hate about attorneys. Apparently, he brought a film crew with him to the hearing yesterday. He gave a really vile statement afterwards, like, F you, Trump. I want to have a beer with you. And I would tell you, F you for all these people that you've effed up because of January 6th. Um, Jacob Chansley, there's no evidence that he was a so-called Trump supporter. He didn't even go to the president's speech. He was there as a like a, as a character almost. And he went and gave a prayer. He said justice is coming. Apparently, he like tens of millions of Americans thought the 2020 election was stolen and rigged, which, of course, it was. So it's not like he went to the speech or he listened to any. He was he was just there as a clown, basically. And so he has another horrific lawyer who exploited him. He exploited Jacob, as he said in court this week. Al Watkins, the horrible lawyer, is the only human being that Jacob Chansley has been able to see outside of the jail. He hasn't been able to see his family because they can't travel to go see him and of covid restrictions. So the lawyers are the only people that these all of these defendants can see. So he exploited him. And that's where he's going to be. I don't know if there's any recourse for, for Jacob Chansley. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the, there are people who if they would have sent a firing squad to get Jacob Chansley and everyone at that Capitol that day, if they could send firing squads, the left and probably some of these never Trumpers would be happy to see that happen. Well, wasn't um wasn't Lindsey Graham saying that the cops should have just shot everybody? I think Isn't he, that- according to the Washington Post investigative series, he told someone in the Capitol Police, you have guns, use them. Yeah. And there are definitely some Twitter personalities. I call them Twidiots. That They were that. also encouraging people just that the cops should have just shot everybody. Um so now the cops should have shot these people, but Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have shot anyone attacking him. So um, there's there's a priorities you could see there. Uh, I was just well, wondering. Well, let's talk about today. You had a black police right. officer shoot and kill a white female Trump supporting veteran, shot her almost at point blank range, covered up the media, covered up his name for months. And he faces no charges. Zero. OK, right. Well, that's different. Because it's the right people. 
right? right. Remember, like it's, and again, this is what I mean when you say when we don't have a fair system that applies equally to everybody, then you live in a state of anarchy. And there's no way to mitigate this kind of these, these disagreements, these, these conflicts, and so on. It's a very dangerous place to be. So anyway, let's end our show on a happy note by by basking in the just injustice, which we saw today. I'm sad. <clears throat> I will probably not no, no longer be able to spend all day watching Ricada Law feed. I'll be going back to my Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies that I use. Well, as that's good because now you can use the care package I sent you. Julie sent me the greatest care package. She sent me all of this <laughs> stuff about watching Hallmark Christmas movies because this is she knows this is how I escape from the filth of the news cycle is that I retreat into this fantasy world on the Hallmark channel of their Christmas movies. And so I have a mug, I have many soup many pairs of socks, I have a blanket and it all says this is my Hallmark Christmas movie watching mug or blanket, socks. <laughs> I have a t-shirt, I pajama top. I mean, literally I am, I am so, it's, it's, it was awesome. And now I'll have to go back to that. I have to say, I did enjoy the Ricada Law Feed. These are really, really great. I mean, if you didn't watch it, you missed out. Cause it was, if you followed this closely, that was, that is the place to be. So I wonder if they'll keep that going. I mean, I would love for them to keep up, you know, with other trials, with other certainly cases. some of you these should- hearings. I should. You should mention that. We were going to have Robert Barnes on and we was all ready to go. And then as fate would have it, boom, <laughs> we yeah. got a verdict. I mean, it literally, so, we were like hooking up the, the connection. And yeah, yeah we so were about to maybe... turn the on switch and it's like the verdicts here. So <laughs> thank you. We will not be here next week because it's Thanksgiving. And we'll be giving thanks, but we will be back in two weeks. So have a lovely holiday. Have a rest. Eat a lot of turkey. And pour one out for Kyle because he deserves it. For sure. Um, And we will see you in two weeks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.